This is Software Defined Survival, where we explore how software-defined systems are changing the business of AVIT. Today on Software Defined Survival. Which is what you're doing with a matrix switch uh, and then, you know, an IP switch next to it in the same rack. Why would you do that? And manufacturer just wants to sell more product. That's that's their objective. Get these people up to speed with what we do, sell the thing, and get them to buy it. Because it doesn't matter what product you pick up, Ethernet works the same way. You know, packages of data will move across from one host to another in exactly the same way. And I urge people who are going to training to first of all, before they do that, whether it's free or paid for. Think about what the outcome of that training looks like for them and their business. How are you actually evaluating the success of that learning? People telling you that they really enjoyed the day, the food was great, and you know it was <laughs> nice and warm, and the bloke was really funny. That's that's what I call a happy sheet. Yeah. That's that's nothing to do with the training itself. We do cool stuff in AV, but sometimes it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain our products. It can be hard to explain how our systems work. And in a world where patience and attention are so limited, it's an even greater challenge. So when I first saw the explainer and e-learning videos at claviagroup.com, I was really impressed by the high quality and professional productions narrated by people who are obviously passionate about AV. Explainer videos are kind of a unique tool where education and training bump right up against marketing and branding. The benefits for product manufacturers are obvious, and even integrators and technology owners can use explainer videos to train end users on how to operate a system. The managing director of Clavia, Matt Dodd, shared with me a great idea of embedding these types of videos right in a touch panel. Now, I've seen this done with web apps before, and I think it's a great way to get users up to speed on how to operate a system in a quick and fun way. Go to claviagroup.com and check out some of the sample videos. And then start thinking about how video can help get your message across. Welcome. My name is Patrick Murray. And today's guest has an extended background in training and has served on the board of Cedia and as their director of education. He was co-founder of a smart home and residential integration company called Thinking Bricks and is currently manager, managing director of Clavia. You'll have to correct me if I pronounce that right. Clavia <laughs> um, is all good. Yeah, that is a coaching and training development company that creates e-learning videos and explainer animations for the AV industry. Please welcome Matt Dodd. Matt, welcome. Thank you very much. Is there anything about that introduction that you'd like to correct or expand upon? Uh, no, no, it's very good. Um, it's good to know that I've kept all my um, online profiles up to date. That could have been easily really embarrassing. That's it. It's getting pretty obvious that I just go to the guest's uh, LinkedIn profile and, and make a quick synopsis of it. So tell us, how did you get started in AV? I, I always like to ask this question because nobody really grows up saying, I want to work in the AV industry. Hardly anybody really even knows what it is until you get into it. So, so what's your story? How did you wind up in AV? Well, it, 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 back in 2004, um, uh, up, up to the point of 2004, when I was years old, <laughs> keep that under my hat, um, I had a corporate job. So I worked for a large industry, um, a large corporate body, uh, the largest corporate hospitality company in the world, actually, um, kind of involved with system uh, and networking back then, but uh, from, very much from a, from a user perspective. So an end user um, would <coughs> be given a computer with a CRT monitor. Um, and it was quite possibly not even an Intel processor. So it was uh, an old bit of kit and they had to... Um, turn away all of their accounting processes on the machine. And my myself and, and the team I worked with, we used to trot around the UK, uh, helping people, training people on how to use these um, proprietary in-house systems. So I did that from from an early age. I, mean, I, 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 I left college and went straight into hotel management. And then from there, went into training. So whilst my, at that point, my interest 
in AV was primarily amateur. You know, well, I say amateur, I'm, I, I do play the drums. I've been involved in bands for many years, but I never really thought that I was going to, as you said, get into AV. Uh, and at the time in 2004, I was at the stage where I was at a crossroads. Um, I didn't have any children. I was 27 years old and I, had, I just didn't, I was feeling stale. And if I'd carried on the way I was going, I was probably going to just become a number. And I didn't want to do that. I was at the age when I could do something about it. So I did. I left. Um, and I left to move into AV. I, I looked around at various different industries. What did I want to do? What did I have behind me as a skill set, which was training? And um, I really liked the idea of, of, a, of a lifestyle business um, and, you know, the residential AV world at the time was starting to look really interesting. There were more and more products available to people, but not off the shelf, as it were. So, you know, there was an opportunity to buy some stuff, put it all together, make it look really attractive and sell it to uh, people in their big houses. And that's how it started. Uh, I set up Thinking Bricks with my then business partner and we started from a blank piece of paper. He too was from the corporate world. So, you know, we like to think we did it properly. You know, we set up a business plan together and and we started from from zero. We learned how our trade, and we learned how to integrate our trades, and um, and thus began the journey for, for that for that business. And I had a personal goal. Uh, I suppose back then it was quite woolly in my head. Um, it was a big move, jumping from a, a corporate ship into your own little boat. Um, but yeah, I had a personal goal that I would have liked to have potentially sold a business. I, I didn't really want a job. Because uh, I had a job, I wanted a challenge, and that challenge was, you know, create a business, get it running, and you know, it'd be nice to sell it within ten years. I put the ten-year flag in there, and people laughed at me. But off we went. Uh, it was really good, really good um, journey. Uh, we built a nice little business, and it, you know, we did exactly what other lifestyle businesses were doing, and we sold really cool stuff to rich people in London. Um, but. During that time, that's when I got involved with Cedia because I looked at their training platform and portfolio, if you will. Um, it, it, it was wholly different to what I was used to in the corporate world, where everything is done via process and you know properly, if if you will. I don't, I don't mean that to denigrate you know Cedia or any other trade association, but you know when you're working for a huge, huge organisation, they they do it properly because there's lots of people to help them to do it properly, lots of processes. And rather than just be the moaning guy and say, oh, I don't like the way they're doing this to all, all the other people involved, I, I sort of moaned to Cedia and said, I think you could do this a little bit better. And this is what I bring to the table from a skill set. And, you know, they did embrace that. You know, they, they were, they, they thankfully, they, they embraced it and said, come along, help us, you know, help us to make it better. And, and that's how I ended up on the, on the board. Um, and subsequently from the board, I was then able to, um, map out what I thought or what I believed the education platform should look like. And I worked with the guys in the US um, to do that. I stepped down off the board and then stepped in as the consultant education director to help them to grow their education portfolio and their profile. And that's exactly what, what we did. Um, and, you know, when I left that role and handed it to my, my, my colleague, um, it's great to see that that's continued to grow. And now, you know, see your education in, in EMEA, is, is a whole lot different to how it was back in the day. Uh, and that gave me, that gave me, you know, some real thoughts about what, what I wanted to do next. Um, so 2014, I sold my shares in my integration business, uh, 10 years, four months after starting it. So I nearly hit my personal goal, which is good. Uh, and that's where Clavia was born. That's where, um, that's when I decided I wasn't going to go back into doing any kind of integration work. I've got that T-shirt, but that's I wanted to then start um, really helping people out there to to get it right first time because more and more people were coming into the industry, um, and they were turning to, to CDA, which is great. They were turning to the education uh, platform that I helped to, to to grow, which was great. Um, but then you know there's certain bits of education that people need directly relating to product. Obviously, Cedia being a trade association couldn't be seen to be you know, uh, aligning with those products. So there were still plenty of opportunities as an independent guide to to help deliver that training and present you know, training to groups of people. And then um, you know, about three years ago, I decided to move Clavia from purely a residential-focused company into a commercial AV company as well. So we moved 
um, a lot of our training uh, courseware, uh, largely down to networking. Uh, I've got a Cisco qualification in networking, so that helps. Um, and I was doing an awful lot of network training at the time. And yeah, I thought there's a bigger world out there with, with commercial. So Clavia now looks after, and primarily it's commercial. You know, most of my business now is is through the commercial channel. Uh, but that said, I still get, you know, I'm still very much involved in residential and um and then up until recently, you know, I was I was still trotting around the country, almost like I did um, when I was a corporate guy, um, teaching people in a classroom. I have a fairly not unique, but I've got my own style of, of training, which works. Um, you know, my website proves that people really enjoy it. We turn the PowerPoint off, we get the flip charts out, we facilitate the learning, and we have good fun as well as learn. Um, but that's people can't get to a training room all the time. Uh, it's not convenient for a lot of people. It's expensive. Um, lots and lots of manufacturers are offering training for free. So, you know, someone like me going out there to teach and charging was becoming difficult. And that's when I decided um, to revisit my business plan and take a look at how I can use my training skills, but do it from an online perspective. And that's where we're at now. Um, we went away back to school, learned how to be video editors and animators and lots of software and tried some and threw it away and tried some more and just actually decided that here we go we can we can take the successes from the training room and we can put them into really easy to understand really cool funky little videos that people can um, watch whenever they want uh, video marketing per se is massive now we all look at youtube probably on a daily basis so in fact we did a, a recent uh, little 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 poll um, for advertising, we put a still advert out across a social media platform uh, for a set fee. We got 10 clicks on the website. Then we did the same yeah. thing, but just using a video instead of still. And we got 1,837 clicks in the same amount of time, which just goes to show how powerful um, video is as a, as a marketing tool. And that's where we're at now. We, we're enjoying it. We're, we're, we're very quickly becoming recognized as the go-to guys for a good quality, good value for money, uh, educational video to help them do anything from understand a product uh, to teach about a vanilla content like the OSI model or networking. Uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's, there you go. I've just taken you from the year 2000 to the current day. Excellent. Thank you very much for that overview. And uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to go over a few points. First, I could certainly sympathize with one of your last points. Trying to sell paid uh, training in AV is certainly a challenge to uh, integrators and end users. That's something I could certainly sympathize with. Sure. But we'll get back to that, to all the training stuff and what you're doing with Clavia in a little while. I want to circle back to the beginning. Um, you mentioned that you started out as a musician. That comes up an awful lot on this podcast. I'd say more than half of the guests have some kind of a musical inclination and that's how they wound up in AV. So I think that's really interesting. I'm always looking for what people kind of have in common. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned before you started your residential company that there was that you took some time and looked around and thought about what you wanted to do. Mm. Was there anything, obviously you had your experiences and your skill set, but was there anything in particular about the residential AV market at that time that helped you make that decision? Quite honestly, I think I was really open to where I was going to go or, or you know, which industry I was going to go to um, my then business or to be business partner. He had a lot more uh, experience, if you will, through research of, of, of the AV marketplace and integration marketplace. Um, you know, when I, when I was at college, I studied uh, in business management. So for me, what was important was being able to um, exercise that, that, that's that, that, um, that learning and that qualification that I, <clears throat> I got at college. Uh, and, and really, you know, that, that's all about creating a business plan, making the business plan work. And, and I wanted to make sure that I did it the right way from a business perspective. I needed to, to understand what it was like, um, not, not just being the recipient of a pay packet. And, you know, I was really lucky uh, as a corporate guy. I worked hard, but, you know, in my late twenties and I'm being given a car and an expense account and, you know, 
corporate governance wasn't really massive at the time. So we were really looked after and really mollycoddled. Um, the only thing we had to focus on was the fact that, you know, the share price was the be all and end all of the business. I wanted to, you know, get in from the other end. I wanted to re- look at the P&Ls. I wanted to get worried when what what would happen when when the business didn't take any money in and I couldn't pay myself. That is a whole different feeling that some people are just used to. You know, they they just they just do it from 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 leaving school and they they take on a trade and and they just just get out there and do it. And they I I really observe them to be quite big risk takers, but that was just what they did. They didn't worry about how they were doing. They didn't write a business plan. They just went out and earned money um, and spent it in a lot of cases. But the whole AV thing came to me from, I was influenced by other people. And when I looked into it in more detail, I actually thought, yeah, that, that's a cool place to be. Um, the fact that I'm a musician, well, I come from a family of musicians. You know, I, I, I also realized very quickly that, you know, to be a musician professionally, uh, having had, you know, I've got those in my family, that's really tough. You know, you, you, yeah. if you think you're going to, you know, be in the next massive band or whatever, you know, and back in the day there, there wasn't pop idol and, and, you know, people have got talent programs on there. It just didn't happen. So, you know, if you did a gig and I've done many gigs, I've been gigging since on the circuit since I was a kid, um, you know, we weren't very good. You know, we thought we were, but we were just a band like any other but you know, you never know when you get that lucky break that some guy's in the in the crowd and he likes what you're doing and la 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 la. But that's so so rare, and and you cannot hang your hat on on that happening. So the creativity that I have as a musician really does help with this industry. But quite honestly, you don't need it. I don't think. I think it's more of a bit of a fluke. Quite honestly, that a lot of us are, you know, music makers. You know. We're, we, we, we're in bands, we sing, we do stuff that's musical. I think I don't think there's a draw. It certainly wasn't for me to be in the industry because I'm a musician. If anything, what I'm doing now is far more related, far better related to the fact that I'm a musician because we have to create music for videos. We have to think about how a video is going to work. Uh, I'm using much more of my creative brain now than I was as an integrator. And the production as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I'm working my customers now. They don't know how, how it goes together. They're relying on me and my team to, to put it together. Um, nobody, you know, well, very few of my customers are very, very strict with exactly what we need to be doing. Um, they kind of say, well, Matt, we're going to leave it with you because you know, you know what it is we're trying to say, but we don't really know how we want to say it through the power of video. Sure. It's, it certainly is an art and um, just editing video, cutting things together. It's extremely time consuming. And if you don't have a vision and some experience with how to organize that kind of a task, mm. uh, you could get in over your head pretty quickly. So yeah. circling back again, you, uh, you formed this business with the goal of selling it 10 years later. I really like that. And you talked about having an interest in knowing where every nickel is, right? Uh, I had a business coach on, on the podcast once, Dave Schoenbeck, and he said that's one of the most important things that a business owner should have is to know where the money is and where it's coming from. So that curiosity, and, and I'm going to correlate that with you being a musician. It sounded like you didn't really like the fact that you didn't really know how to, how to grow it, how to make a predictable income from that kind of a, a business model. So I'm seeing a lot of uh, things that go together here. And I like the, that you set a goal from the beginning in 10 years, I'm going to sell this. And then you did it 10 years and four months later. Congratulations. That's a kind of a big deal. But in the meantime, you, you got into uh, Cedia, which is probably the biggest uh, trade association in the residential channel. And you noticed a need for education and began to help them organize things. What was some low-hanging fruit at that time? Well, the, the very fact that, that we went early days of our integration company, we went to the CDA show uh, to learn. You know, we went with an open book. How do, how do people, you know, what, what, what's the official line? How does it, how does it all get put together? Um, and then, you know, learn from, from other people within it. You know, how have you done it? What have you, how have you achieved what you've achieved? 
all the usual stuff. And just going back to your point about business, you know, myself and my partner at the time both kind of took it for granted that everybody used the same rule book when it came to setting up and running a business. And it really became quickly apparent that that wasn't the case. Um, you know, I, I say this to, to in, in every sort of interview or whenever I'm talking to people, really, the whole concept of, of I didn't set the business up to sell it. I mean, just, just to correct you on that, I, I had a personal goal that I would like to have been in a position to sell that business. So I, I, okay. I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, the partner I had because he, he helped you know, we, we both shaped that business. Um, I'm also grateful for the learning that I had from, from the corporate world. So none of that really got in the way of, of the, the job in hand, which was to integrate people's systems. In actual fact, I, I probably didn't even think about selling the business until towards the end when I, I just felt it was ready to move on. So, you know, I, I'm great. I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you very much for your, for your praise. And, and yeah, there's, there, there are certain rules you know whenever you get into business you have to have an exit plan you know what does the end of this business trip look like and most people don't have one of those you know and you think if you're if you're in your 40s now and you're living the life and you're loving it but you're very much hands-on you don't really want to let anybody touch your baby you do it you do it the best way um then that's great but how long is that how long is that going to happen for uh, you can, sure. can't keep going like that so what's your exit plan um but that's a that's a whole different conversation and the fact that you know i also now have a tech company which we work outside of the arena of av we write apps um, and you know we do well with it but we're writing that as a vertical business we're doing sorry we set up as a vertical business we're not involved with our customers we're creating a product that, that's in in a business that that business can then be sold um, and it's a it really is a different strategy creating a business that you intend actively intend to sell certainly big chunks of uh, rather than creating a, sort of a lifestyle business which in which you are the business and i think within av that's um that that's definitely the case that most business owners in av and indeed probably any other small business arena they are the business and when it's time to finish you finish and you just hope that you've got enough money hived away somewhere you've made enough money just to to, to live the, the rest of your days on um so yeah, I mean the the the, the Cedia thing just came about when I went to learn about the the industry, uh, but you know I I really wasn't very impressed. It was, it was clear to me that there were really smart, clever people um, in the industry, which was which is a good thing. Um, it's nice to be surrounded by people who can challenge you, and it's how you learn. You learn a lot of things from other people, um, but they just clearly just did not have any skill. It's not, it's, not, it's not fair. They didn't have any qualification, if you will. They weren't uh, taught how to teach, how to present it. And, it, it you know, you, you're paying as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a learner, you're paying decent money to sit in the training room for a day to be just kind of showboated to. Oh, this is a system I did for so-and-so, and this is a system I did for so-and-so. And in residential, there's an awful lot of that, you know, who's got the, who's got the biggest install story to tell and you kind of had to pick through the middle of okay well i need to ask questions then to find out how you did it and you shouldn't have to do that that's not what learning's yeah. about it's part sure. of the learning phase but you shouldn't have to sit there dragging information out from somebody who's willing to give it but they just don't really know how to how to do that and that's that was the low-hanging fruit for me because that's what i'm good at i'm good at teaching people how to teach and present I'd been doing it for a lot of time, long time before that. And whatever it is you're teaching, there are there's a set of rules that you use to impart that knowledge to people in a room. Can you give us a few of those rules? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the old adage of so I teach people um, to present, and I teach people to teach. Um, and I've run, I've, I've created, and, and, and run my own train the trainer and train the facilitator programs over here and over in the US. Uh, and, and again, I've had you know good success with it because it's refreshing for people. They've never had that kind of training before. Um, and, you know, primarily training, you're, it's not about you as the trainer. It's about them. It's about the learner. Um, you know, they're there to learn something and you're there to explain what it is they're going to learn. Um, and then you're going to teach them and then you're going to um, qualify that, that learning. So you're going, you're going to see the objectives that you've set at the beginning of that training 
have been met. And you do that by question and answer, by getting them to do an exercise. They have to do, at the end of that training session, what it is you set out and told them that they would be able to do at the end of that training session. Um, and if you don't have that structure, you know, create the objectives um, that have to be smart. And we can go into that in a whole heap of detail, but we, we no need to. Now, but look up smart, S-M-A-R-T. Those objectives have to be clear and smart. And then the whole learning piece in the middle. Uh, and then at the end, you know, these guys have to do whatever it is you said they were going to do. And if they don't do it, your training failed. You know, it didn't work. Everyone might have had a really nice time and a good time and liked you and you were funny. If they can't do the thing that they turned up to learn how to do at the end of that session, then your session has failed. And no one likes to hear the word fail, but it's true. Um, Presenting is different. Presenting is all about you as a presenter. I'm there to make an impression on people. I choose what it is I'm going to say, and I'm going to make that as engaging as possible. I'm not there to teach somebody when I'm presenting at a trade show. I'm there to talk about something, like a TED Talk. Nobody sets in a TED Talk an objective that says, you are going to be able to do these things at the end of the session, and I'm going to see that you can do it. There's a clear distinction between presenting and training, and that just wasn't apparent. That wasn't there. And rather than be, I didn't want to appear supercilious in any way, shape or form. Uh, I just wanted to offer my service. And, and you know what? Good for them. They, they, they acknowledged it. Um, and, and that's how I started working with the guys at CDA. Excellent. I, I really like that, uh, that you pointed out the difference between teaching and presenting. And I will certainly keep that in mind the next time I make a, uh, make a submission for a call for presenters because yeah, like you said, what are the objectives and then doing some testing at the end. And as you were describing that, I was thinking of an AV system, right? My first conversation with a new customer is what are your objectives with building this thing? Do you want to impress your clients? Do you want to hold better meetings? Do you want to uh, impress your neighbors? Mm. And so you need to define those clear objectives in the beginning of an AV system or a training module. And then at the end testing, can the person perform what they learned? Mm. Well, does the system actually behave Mm. as expected? What are the metrics? Did we actually meet those objectives? So, And the, the bit beyond that, of course, then which links directly to training is evaluation. And that's just not there in any of these, these trade associations. And it still isn't, to, you know, I don't see a huge um, evidence of it. You know, when, if somebody can do the thing that you said they were going to do at the end of the training, that's, that's a tick in the box, but can they do it a week later? Can they do it? six weeks later can they do it six months later and corporately you know we had to go one step further than that and we had to identify how that would improve the bottom line of the uh, of that department or that particular part of the business how how does making or, or, or how does facilitating and helping somebody to do something new help the business uh, because if it doesn't help the business then why are they there uh, right Sure, it's got to help them as an individual. Certain types of training, which which aren't fiscally um, uh, driven, uh, you know, you've got to make people feel happy at work. You've got to give them the opportunity to feel comfortable and do, you know, be, feel better themselves. That's important. Um, but when it comes to sort of science training, when it comes to I'm going to go and learn how to program a new system, great. Okay, so help 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 the business understand what it's how it's going to benefit um, from you coming back and, and actually being able to do this new, you know, program this new what's it. Because um, if nothing happens with it for, you know, if, you, if it's never evaluated and that person doesn't actually go and buy any of that kit for a few few months or whatever, then how valuable was the training day, you know? It, it, sure. That, that needs to happen more. But rather than banging the drum anymore, which I get passionate about what I do, I love what I do and I love the debate. But rather than keep banging that drum and realizing that actually this isn't helping my business, what we do now is we support people doing that, but through a different medium, completely different medium. You know, we ask the question in our video scripts, what, what, does, what does it look like? What does the success of this video look like? Not, not in terms of the types of animation we've used or, or the, the characters we've put within it, but what, what do you want to get out of it as a business? And Pat, it's primarily the same message back i need people to have a better understanding of of the 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 things that we are trying to sell them you know 
we as an industry will go and buy product because other people buy the same product. You know, Popularity contest. Spend a lot of time thinking about all the different products and what might be better for business. There, it's still, a, and I could be, I could get hate mail for this, but there's still a big popularity contest going on out there. And I think that is detrimental to a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paul Harris of Aurora was on the podcast and and he said that a standard is nothing more than a, a popularity contest. So <laughs> there's, you, you mentioned a bunch of things that I'd like to unpack and then connect to uh, some changes that are happening in, in our industry. Mm. So you mentioned somebody learns something. They go to a training, they learn a particular technology or a product, how it works, and then maybe they'll actually use it or maybe they won't. And a year later, they might still have that certification. Mm. And traditionally in AV, a lot, I, I'd, I'd say more than half, I don't know, a lot of the training was provided by manufacturers. You learned about their products. And ancillary to that, you learned about the fundamentals of that technology. Yeah. And there are also associations like Avixa and Cedia that really give you the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Now, with the AV industry moving more towards IT, with more standards-based technologies like SDVOE coming into play, and even things like open source software, where there is no manufacturer who's really interested in teaching you about it because it doesn't help them sell products. Mm -hmm. In that kind of a world, with things going in that kind of direction, how do you see training changing in AV? That is a really good question. Um, and I suppose it's something I think about regularly, but don't there's so many thoughts in my head as you were as you were as you were sort of getting to the question. Um I, there's a massive shift. Um I'm pleased to mention the SDVOE because I'm I'm very, very lucky to work for Jet Justin Kennington, who's the president. He and I get on really, really well, and he, you know, I, I went banging on his door to say, you know, you need to let, you need to bring me in um, at this early stage. I really, really want to be the guy that helps you with the education platform, and he totally saw that. You know, I did some sessions with him, and we just get on really well. He sees the value in me, which I'm very grateful for, and he's such, um, he's a real mentor for me. The guy is so clever, really talented, yeah. and. You know, he's also extremely passionate, which is super, super important when, when you're doing something like he's doing, which is literally taking a whole aspect of, of what we've done for years and years with the Matrix Switch and turning it on its head and proving it beyond any reasonable doubt that this is the absolute way forward. You know, just watch that guy in an interview and he is brilliant. Um, and I, oh, yeah. I love working for people I learn from every day. So, you know, hopefully if Justin's hearing that, you know, I will be asking for a pay rise, Justin. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a really cool guy. Um, and yes, that, that, the, the whole IP piece, um, we mentioned, we, we talked about it briefly before we started, we went on air, but the whole IP piece is, is a, it's, it's a real boon for my business because we are one of the few, um, uh, businesses out there who bring a lot to the table. You know, we can really help uh, an industry with knowledge that they they now have to have. It's core knowledge. Um, you know, if if anybody out there listening to this, which um, there may well be, there may not be, if anyone out there listening to this can't answer this question, you know, which layer of the OSI does IP live in, and how does it relate to Ethernet? And if you can't answer that question. Why are you out there installing IP products? It, 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 there's, that, there's the debate. Um, and again, I don't mean to put people down, but it, it, 10 years ago, maybe, you didn't really need to have to answer that question because there are lots of alternatives. But now it's all about IP. And Ethernet's been around for 40-odd you know, years. The Ethernet was around before the VCR, right? So we're not developing... Uh, a brand new product or brand new vehicle, if you like, to, 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 to move packets of data around. It's, it's there. It's already done. We're just using it properly. You know, we're using that OSI seven-layer stack, and we're using Ethernet ultimately to help to move packets of data, and we're doing it really well. And we're proving to people that rather than go out there and install a, a, an AV network, if you will, an AV system, and then put an IP network next to it, 
which is what you're doing with a matrix switch uh, and then, you know, an IP switch next to it in the same rack. Why would you do that? Why do you do that when we give a really compelling reason as to don't do it? Just put everything on the IP network. It simplifies the job. It, it actually makes it better. Uh, we're removing latency. There's so many wins as to why you would use IP. And for me, that that's the big shift. Um, I think training, to answer your question, training is changing uh, twofold. Firstly, people have got less time to sit in a training room. Um, I really appreciate and I really admire, you know, that, that manufacturers, um, they have their guy, their training guy, and those training guys are getting better and better and better. Um, you know, the adage of do something enough times and you will master it. Uh, they are getting better. But ultimately, you know, when I had my integration business and I had engineers and they wanted to go and learn about something new, you sent them off to manufacture product training and the manufacturer just wants to sell more product. That's, that's their objective. Get these people up to speed with what we do, sell the thing and get them to buy it. Um, and that worked really well for years. Here's a black box. Here's some things in the back of it. There's some, you know, RS-232 port in there. There's, a, there's an IR port. And that's what we spoke about for ages and ages and ages. Now we're talking about, you know, the, the Ethernet port in the back. And now we're having to give them vanilla content because it doesn't matter what product you pick up, Ethernet works the same way. You know, packets of data remove across from one host to another in exactly the same way, whatever the host might be. So manufacturers having to step up to the plate a little bit and, and, and actually educate people on things like IP. And it's becoming harder and harder for them to fill training rooms, Pat, because people are out there installing, they're busy. We, it's never been harder, I don't think, to sell a system if you're a sort of small to medium-sized integrator with two, three, four guys. Um, bless them. That must be really difficult, you know, when, when the client's saying, well, hold on a minute, I've just bought a whole heap of TP-Link um, smart plugs and I've just bought a Nest Cam and I've just bought these things and my, my 15-year-old has just put it all together and that does the same thing. That's got to be. That's got to be hard. Yeah, right. absolutely. Now, we, we know how we would sell that. You know, I, I would be comfortable with a client saying that to me and I would win them over with the product that I was going to be selling them and why they would spend more money and use somebody like me. But I think there's less people out there that are able to do that, but they're so busy trying to get the business that they are really haven't got the time to go and sit in the training room. So training from a first, from the first aspect, the face-to-face the -face stuff, unless you spend the money and go to places like the CD show, the show, Infocom, and sit in a room, you're not in a training room, you're in a presentation room. They're not training you. That guy at the front of the room in an hour cannot possibly see if the objectives that he said, that he, that he's, 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 he said he was going to get these people to meet at the beginning of the 45-minute session. He cannot possibly um, see if those objectives have worked to 60 people in an hour. It's impossible. You couldn't do it. So it's not, you know, going back to the whole point of training, it's, that's not a training room. That's, that's bums on seats with people having to self-assess as to how much they knew or how much they need to know moving forward. And you can't possibly evaluate it either. It doesn't get evaluated. It's, it's, it's a trade show. It's, a, it's an environment where you go to learn, so pick up some new bits, but you have to go away and work out what you're going to do with this new knowledge. And most of the time, I think a lot of people, they don't really know what to do with that new knowledge and they don't use it very well. So I think training is moving very much towards decent online stuff, you know, decent e-learning training. Um, and watching a podcast of a man speaking over a 45-slide PowerPoint charts for half an hour saying, uh, every five or six seconds, that isn't learning. You know, that's just boring. Um, and I feel really sorry for the people that are asked to do that, to put it together and, and, and do it. Uh, so there is a huge shift. In, 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 the, in the training dynamic out there in the industry. And that's why Clavey is doing what it's doing at the moment, because we want to be right at the front. We want to be you know, right at the front of being able to allow people to take, take their phone, you know, if, anything from sitting on the train, going to work, quick six, seven minutes with, with evaluation questions in there so you can self-assess your learning, perfect. So by the time I get to work, I've actually realized that it's not that product A that everyone seems to be buying that I need, it's product B because that would fit perfectly in the environment that I'm going to install it. And I've learned that in five, six minutes on a little video. Uh, all the way to, you know, online stuff, proper vanilla type training. I need to understand how a packet moves from one 
post to the next. And I can't cheat myself when I'm not with online learning. I can't, there's no point in me cheating to find the answer because I'm only cheating myself. Um, so yeah, I think there's a huge shift. I think there's a massive, massive shift in how training um, gets delivered. Uh, and I think that's a good it's a shaper. New broom sweeps clean, as they say. <laughs> Very nice. So with that shift, do you see a shift in the responsibility of who, let, let, let's put it quite frankly, who actually pays for that training? Um, I think a lot of the training at the moment isn't paid for. And that's, that's a shame, you know, uh, give, give an integrator the option. Look, go and learn about networking with your distributor uh, for free or pay for somebody to come and teach you about networking. It's obvious which one they're going to choose. I would. Um, right. But at the same time, when that individual comes back, what's the expectancy? What, what, what do we expect them to be able to do over and above what they couldn't do before, what, what they could do before before they left for that training? And again, it kind of, I'm not putting it down, Pat. And you know, anybody listening to this, this podcast and thinking hey come on mate you know we're here to try and help i i know this i'm i'm with it you know i i, I bet my career that that it, you know it's the right way forward but i think if we you know you, you get a training room with people in in that room some guys have rarely picked up a computer they don't really know what ip is and you'll get somebody else in that room who is you know a ccna grade kind of network sure. guy and he's bored right that yeah. poor trainer has then got to use skills that he's never been given to try and keep everybody in that room engaged. And that's really hard. It's a really hard thing to do. Um, so the value of training, if, if it's becoming harder for people to get to a training course, it means that when they get to that training course, that training has got to be really, really tip top. Because if it's not, they'll go to another manufacturer who's offering free training and it might just be better training. And that could be the you know difference between winning and losing a customer. So yeah, it's it's just I just I just I urge people out there who are delivering training or, or, or in charge of training other people, do it properly, you know, do it the right way. And I urge people who are going to training to first of all, before they do that, whether it's free or paid for think about what the outcome of that training looks like for them and their business and ask those questions. You know, don't, don't worry about saying to the people who are delivering, offering the training, this is what I want to achieve at the end of this training session. Is that going to be possible? Do you think that's what I'm going to be able to do and help me understand how you're going to make that happen? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I love the practicality of it and it just makes sense and it's, it's good for everybody. Think about the fiscal aspect of it as well. You know, Engineer, and over in the States, even bigger reason to think this way. Engineer heads off to a training course because they, 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 the business has decided they want to buy, you know, XYZ's equipment. He heads to a training course. So the cost of getting in there the night before, maybe putting up in a, in a cheap hotel, and then him being there. So he's out the business. So if you were to you know, rough that up, and let's say it cost around about five or $600 for that, that business to pay for that guy to go out there, then that business is doing what? 40, 45% gross profit profit there, you know, in their business. So how much have I got to sell in order to generate enough profit for that guy to have actually been out there? And be by the time you've done that, it's, it's a significant chunk of money, especially if I'm sending two or three people. We've got the CD show on in San Diego at the moment. How many people are there without any real idea as to what they want out of that show? Sure. They're wandering around the show, not aimlessly, because they're, they're intrigued what's going on, but they, 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 it's a massive show. Yeah. Um, how many people have actually thought it through? What's the benefit to my business when I get back? And when you start to stack it up like that, that's when people say, oh, Matt, shut up. Because <laughs> you know, we don't want to hear that. Sorry, swear. We don't want to hear that. Uh, we just, we just want to go and enjoy ourselves at the show. Great, do that. But think it through as, as, as an attendee or a learner. Think it through as to what it is that you're actually going to benefit. How are you going to benefit? Because then it's your, your, your right to then impart that to whoever is Going to be delivering that training to say, look, this is what I want out of this. Help me understand how you're going to help me to achieve that. And if not, what will I do? Ask the questions and uh, you never know, it might just be the decider factor as to whether or not you'll, you'll go ahead and do it. Absolutely. That, that folds in really well into my last question, which you probably answered already, which is uh, the people working in AV, engineers, technicians, I think a lot of us like to learn. We really enjoy learning new technology and 
you know, if we're not the business owner, that might not be the top of our priority, but somebody's got to send us to training. Somebody needs to pay for that. So there's also in this question of how do you convince your boss to send you to training or to pay for an online training? So do you have any ideas on that? I think what you were just saying folds right into it. Yeah, I mean, sorry to replay the record, but I think again, if if any of my team in the past in, in the integration business, if they came to me with a, it, it wasn't just training; it was anything that they wanted. I want a new machine. I want this. I want that. Sure, yeah, I, I want I want a, a Porsche nine eleven on the driveway, guys. But life sucks sometimes, you know. We all want <laughs> so. You know, I always used to say to, to the team, if you bring a, a tangible, viable reason that this business will benefit as a result of you getting what it is you want, let's go for it. Perfect. Because that helps me out no end at your review at the end of the year. I spent X hundred pounds take sending you off this thing. Um, talk me through what, what you did as a result in this business that you didn't do before. And that didn't make me mean, you know, we, we would go off on jollies and, you know, we're going, let's go and get drunk in Ireland for a few days. Yeah. Right. Let's go and do that. No win to the business at all. It's just really good team building. Um, but when it comes to going off and you know, learning stuff and sitting on a training course, again, do we, are we doing it because the, the training provider have told us we have to do it before we can buy any product. I get that. I do get that. But then how are they assessing that learning? How are they, how are they evaluating the success of that learning? Or are they doing that? And these are bigger companies, and I'd love to ask that question to. How are you actually evaluating the success of that learning? People telling you that they really enjoyed the day, the food was great, and you know, it was <laughs> nice and warm, and the boat was really funny. That's, that's what I call a happy sheet. Yeah. That's, that's nothing to do with the training itself. So evaluation comes down, it's solely down to um, the, the training provider, and the people who have actually sent that individual onto the training course. So, yeah, I mean, think again. Sorry to be boring, but I think from, from a business perspective, nothing is nothing is off the table, nothing at all. Um, but business owners just need to really think about what the business success is of sending somebody to a, a training course, um, and that should be shared with the training provider in the first place. Yeah, because it makes life a lot easier for the training provider as well. Because they could say, "Actually, do you know what, Patrick? You shouldn't be at this training course. May I suggest you do this and this and this first before you come to this training course? Then you'll get so much more out of it." Makes perfect sense. I I really like the way all of this is coming back to business and and how it how it all ties into each other. I think we could um, do a whole nother podcast just on the business aspect of of training and if. Uh, anybody would like to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. Um, so through the website is a good place because you can get to see a little bit about what we do. We're updating the videos, the example videos pretty much every week. Um, so you can see how we're growing as a business and what we're doing that's different to the, the previous week. Um, so you can contact me through the website. You can contact me directly at matt, M-A-T-T, at claviagroup.com. So that's matt at claviagroup.com. Love to hear from you. Um, you know, we're, we're always here. We're, we're, every day is a school day, Patrick. So whilst we're a learning center, we're always, always learning ourselves. Excellent. Best of luck with Clavia. And thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. If you or anyone on your staff ever considered themselves just an AV programmer, join the club. That's how I used to feel. I was just an AMX programmer or just a Crestron programmer, whatever language of your choice is, whatever it may be. There's generally this feeling in AV that we're not capable of using modern programming languages. And it simply isn't true. Sure, there's a learning curve, but once you get through it, all other languages become easier to learn and it just expands the amount of options you have when designing a system. It's not an either-or decision. You don't say, I won't be using these manufacturer tools anymore. It's just you have a broader palette to choose from. And here's what Mark Day, founder of Ideabox, had to say about his experience with the online courses at learnavprogramming.com. You know, Patrick, it's funny how the smallest things can sometimes be the start of really big ideas. Uh, before I took the learnavprogramming.com courses... I was in that proprietary 
I'm only a control system programmer kind of mindset, right? Uh, when it came to new technologies or current technologies like JavaScript or, or things like that, for some reason, I thought that was different from what I'm doing. And what taking your courses flipped for me was not so much what I learned technically taking the courses. It was the mindset of, oh, wait a second, I'm already doing 99% of what some of these most modern programmers are doing. I just have to learn, uh, you know, the other 1%. And that's really what I did. So it's really been kind of a big change after taking the course. Um, and I would really recommend this course to any integrator. Not only will it obviously help their skill set, but more importantly, it might change their whole mindset, uh, which is more important and, and, and really show them new opportunities, open the door so they kind of see problems through a different lens. Uh, I got to tell you, one of the, the biggest changes for me was as soon as I taught myself HTML, CSS, JavaScript and saw the UIs that I can make with those technologies, I, I just couldn't sell a uh, Crestron touch panel again. Mark is a great example of somebody who takes new information and really applies it. I know that Mark still sells a lot of Crestron equipment, but for him, for his company, for his customers, for his business, he needed a better UI. He needed another option for a user interface, and modern programming allowed him to do that. So the question is, how can you use modern programming to improve your business? Please go to learnavprogramming.com and wherever you see a sign up button, go ahead and sign up and you'll get some free information to get a feel of my learning style and what kind of information is available. And of course, it would be an honor to have you enroll in one of our courses and help you upgrade your skills and take this industry to the next level. Thanks for listening to Software Defined Survival. I hope you found it useful and maybe it inspires you to try out something new this week. If you have any questions, go to softwaredefinedsurvival.com and click the appropriate button. I'd love to answer your questions on the air. And if you'd like to help spread the word, please subscribe, comment, and share it with your friends. Thanks.